0: It's time to play like a Jet
1: with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does that mean? Got to be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone yeah. more! Yeah. Touchdown, Jets! Mike White! How about him? Elijah Moore! The 20! The 10! The 5! Touchdown! Allen has time! Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it! Breaking away! Garrett Wilson! Wilson a big the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This
0: is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet one And it is time for day number three coverage at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. And so we bring back our friend who, of course, is out there for the Herald Bulletin and CNHI Sports in Anderson, Indiana, Mr. George Bremer. George, what's up, brother?
1: Hey, man, how's it going? Just another boring day at the Combine. You
0: say that every day, and yet I feel like you're being sarcastic because it has not been a boring day at the Combine for any of these days yet. Today, maybe not quite as eventful as yesterday with all the Jalen Carter madness, but certainly plenty of things going on today, including one of the freakiest performances by an edge rusher during the physical drills that we have ever seen. And we will get to that in a little bit. But first, let's talk about what happened media-wise, because you guys got to talk to a bunch of the players today. J.L. Skinner said that his recovery from his peck injury is likely six to eight weeks, and he may even have a pro day before the draft, which is kind of surprising. JL Skinner, the safety, very versatile one from Boise State. He went out of his way to emphasize his versatility as well. Says he's met with the Jets in addition to the Steelers and the Packers. Jordan Battle, who's a player I know Elijah Moore has spoken very highly of in the past and who played very, very well at Alabama, was asked who the best trash talker at Alabama was during his time there. His answer Mac Jones, go figure that one. Chris Smith, the safety from Georgia, said he spoke to the Jets at the Senior Bowl, had a great formal interview with them. That's a player to watch because the Jets are definitely going to be investing a pick in the first few rounds at safety. It could be high, but it might be a player like Smith who they could probably get in the second or third round. It could also be Antonio Johnson who mentioned that he had formal meetings with the Saints, Titans, Jets, Giants, Eagles, and Patriots. Talked a lot about his versatility and what he can bring to an NFL defense. And you want to talk about versatility. How about Brian Branch, who's probably the top safety in the NFL draft. Said he had a formal meeting with the Jets. Would love to play with Sauce Gardner and Clinton Williams. I'm sure he would. He's also got meetings set up with about 25 other teams. So plenty of interest in Brian Branch around the league. Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback from Oregon, who's probably the top cornerback prospect in this draft. Talked about his height. And how he loves playing one-on-one, said that he really enjoyed watching Sauce's rookie year and drew strength from Sauce's confidence. Said he's met with a lot of teams and thinks he may go in the top 10. Joey Porter, the cornerback from Penn State, said he feels like he's the top cornerback in the draft, just has to show his talents at the combine. Now, George, as we know, there can only be one top cornerback in the NFL draft. So It's probably going to be Gonzalez's supporter. It might not be, but odds are it's one of the two. They both can't be the top corner, so somebody's going to be wrong in that equation. Those were some of the top defensive backs that we heard from today, and we're going to get to some of the guys that you were in the room for as well in a bit. But it's nice to see the confidence there, and a lot of those safeties make a ton of sense for the New York Jets. Skinner's an interesting one in particular, only because with the injury, you wonder if he falls a little bit, maybe the Jets or some other team could get a bargain with him because you figure possibility he goes late day two, early day three without the injury, with the injury, maybe he slides to day three and he could be a player that the Jets could get on the cheap, bring him in, and have him ready for training camp. Remember, years ago, the Jets got a safety in the fourth round who started his rookie year and played fairly well, I'd say. That safety was Kerry Rhodes who came in out of Louisville and eventually worked his way up to being a second team all pro. So plenty of defensive back talent on display here on day number three at the combine.
1: Yeah. I think it's, a, it's another deep group. I mean, it feels like that's one of the things we say every year these days. Um, and a lot of things are, are kind of carrying over from one year to the next really athletic players, a lot of versatile guys in there, guys that can play both safety and corner move inside and out. Yeah. Um, it just feels like that's the way the college game's gone. You have really good prospects and this, this defensive backs group just year in and year out now. Play like a
0: jet. Play like a jet. George, as I mentioned, you were on hand to talk to a whole bunch of these players, ask some questions. Jalen Jones, Juju Brents, Riley Moss, who's a very interesting name, Brandon Joseph. Talk to me about some of the guys that you were in the room with, some of the questions you asked, and some of the more colorful answers and deep information that you got.
1: Yeah, I think one of the really the biggest things is Riley Moss. Um, you know, I know, a lot of people know his story. Uh, one of many Iowa defensive backs here this week, uh, J.J. Brents too, uh, Juju Brents too. Uh, he's Kansas State now, but he started out at Iowa Actually, his first start was against Minnesota in the same game uh that that Moss made his first start. but Moss is a guy they think he's gonna run in the four threes um possibly we'll see. Uh, but he's a rare bird right now. I mean I, not since Jason Seahorn, can I remember a successful white cornerback in the, in the NFL? Uh, he said most teams he's talked to have told him he can stay at corner. They're not necessarily moving him to safety. Uh, And he said he really, he he likes it when teams come in and sort of underrate his speed and his athleticism. That first start against Minnesota, he said they tested him deep five or six times. He got two interceptions. He's more than happy to make them pay if they want to doubt him. I I think he's a really interesting prospect uh, in this field and a guy that really stands out as unique.
0: Physically, George, we got to see some guys actually doing
1: drills, running
0: the forty. And there was one player in particular who absolutely went crazy. Nolan Smith ran a 4.39, which is almost incomprehensible for an edge rusher. Second fastest time ever for an edge rusher at the combine. He ran that 40 faster than most wide receivers run it. Will Anderson didn't run quite as fast, but he ran a 4.69, which is very impressive as well. And then you want to talk about impressive physical traits. How about Kalaja Kansi? The defensive tackle from Pitt, of course, people would compare him to Aaron Donald just because they went to Pitt. He's 280 pounds, but he ran a 4.67, which is fantastic. So again, you want to talk about physical gifts. They were on display here in abundance. We knew that Will Anderson was going to test pretty well. Kalijah Canty, not a huge surprise. And Nolan Smith isn't a huge surprise in the sense that we knew he was incredibly athletic. But what is surprising is that he was off the charts. Like, this is Trayvon Walker-level freak show stuff. This is going to cement him as one of the top prospects in the 2023 NFL Draft, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, he definitely moved himself back into the first round. I think there was some talk that he might slip into the, the top of the second round. I don't think that talk's going to be around anymore. Um, he, he was mad. I think that was one of the funny things about it. He Initially, they clocked him at 4.44. Then the official time came in. which rarely happens as you know usually that first time is faster and then you get the official official time and you know it's slowed up a little bit uh but he threw his phone like he was he was expecting to be in the four threes he was not a happy camper after a 444 which was eye popping in and of itself Uh, it just gives you an idea of what he was expecting coming into this uh and i think he's a guy that he really made a name for himself on wednesday in the media room, he had a really emotional tribute to Devin Willock, of course, his teammate who died in the crash. The Jalen Carter's been, you know, the charges that, that have happened with him around that associated with that. Uh, Smith spoke before that news broke early in the morning uh, and just broke down in tears. It was the first time he was topic- talking publicly about losing Willock. Uh, a lot of people really impressed with him on Wednesday the way he comported himself, the way he defended some of his teammates, the way he stood up for a fallen teammate. And then he goes out there on Thursday and he runs like he did. He also had, I think, a, I'm going to look this up real quick, I think it was a 41-and-a-half-inch vertical jump and a 10-foot-eight broad jump. I mean, it's the definition of explosive. I don't know how you could have a much better combine week. You come in, you run like that and you show your character and and sort of your leadership skills in the interview room, uh, I think a lot of teams probably fell in love with Nolan Smith over the last two days.
0: Robert Sala spoke to the press today via Zoom. He wasn't feeling all that well, but did mention the meeting with Derek Carr. He said, Derek Carr is a tremendous young man. The meeting went great. He's really impressive for sure. Sala wasn't involved in yesterday's meeting. He was at the first one that was in New Jersey because an illness prevented him from flying out to Indianapolis. Salah's scouting report on Derek Carr, quote, elite mental makeup with regard to football IQ, tremendous accuracy and arm strength, can put the ball anywhere you want, a real talent. He's underrated in terms of scrambling and being able to move out of the pocket. I think that is a very accurate scouting report. As Salah continued, he compared Derek Carr to Matthew Stafford career-wise, said Carr has been asked to do a lot in his career. If you could just get him to a place that can surround him with all the pieces he needs to allow him to just play quarterback 10 to 15 times a game, it would be pretty cool. I've been saying that for a while. I think there's some very interesting parallels between the two. And I think that getting Derek Carr into a situation where he doesn't have to carry the team on his back, which most quarterbacks are not able to do. Yes, you have about five guys that might be able to do that, but it's a stretch for almost anybody. And look what happened when Matthew Stafford got out of Detroit. Matthew Stafford's label was a guy that could put up numbers in the regular season but never won anything. He hadn't won a playoff game. Then he goes to the Rams, and all of a sudden, they win a Super Bowl, and it's because they were able to surround him with talent that he needed to finally break through and get that championship and have that deep playoff run. Sala also talked about free agency. He said... They're going to take a judicious approach. The team wants to run it back with the guys they have at the places, but then be judicious on offense. Hmm, interesting comment there by Robert Sala. I assume that they're planning on not making a huge splash in free agency, maybe a couple of pieces here and there, and then doing what they can to add the big pieces in the NFL draft. At quarterback, Robert Sala didn't just speak about Derek Carr. He also talked about Mike White. He said the team is keeping close tabs on White and says he should be on the roster. Salah likes to keep three quarterbacks. Remember, they are going to have Zach Wilson unless they end up trading him, but as of now, it looks like he's going to be here. They'll go out and get their QB1, whoever that winds up being. They would like Mike White to be here as backup. Very popular in the locker room. The coaches love him. He knows the system. He's shown he can operate. Durability is a question, but as a backup, you don't worry about that as much. The question, of course, is going to be, What is the story with him money-wise? Is he going to get a bigger offer somewhere else? So, George, that's what Robert Sala had to say today. I liked his scouting report of Derek Carr. I thought it was very accurate, and I like the comparison to Matthew Stafford. I've made that one myself a few times. It doesn't necessarily mean Derek Carr is going to win a Super Bowl, but I do think it means he has the talent where if you put the right pieces around him, give him a defense that isn't going to constantly put him in a hole and or blow leads, He will give you an opportunity to win games and perhaps make some sort of deep playoff run. We'll see if the Jets end up getting him or Aaron Rodgers or somebody else. More talk about Aaron Rodgers today, but mostly just chatter. Brandon Marshall had basically posted on Instagram that Aaron Rodgers was going to retire. He claimed that four general managers, front office people reached out to him to ask him if it was true. All I have to say is if you are in a front office and you were reaching out to Brandon Marshall to ask him about that, then I fear for the team that you are in charge of or represent in the front office because Brandon Marshall is not going to know a damn thing. So I really don't know what you thought you were going to get out of him. And then Kurt Benkert, who is a friend of Rogers and longtime practice squad slash reserve quarterback in Green Bay, said that he believes it would make sense for the Dolphins or the Jets to get Aaron Rodgers if Rodgers doesn't stay in Green Bay. Also, on the Miami front, we heard from Chris Greer, the general manager of the Dolphins, and he said they plan to keep Tua around. Obviously, it's in the back of their head what's going on with him medically, but unless they hear something that they haven't heard already, it seems like they're well-intent on going ahead with Tua as the guy, which makes sense because what we've seen from Tua is that when you put pieces around him, And when he's healthy, he's good. So if the medical turns out to be really bad or Tua decides he doesn't want to play football anymore because he doesn't want to risk his health, fine. But otherwise, the Dolphins have themselves a guy that they believe they can win with, especially when you factor in they have both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell on offense. So, George, thoughts on what Robert Sala had to say, everything with Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, and even a little bit what's going on there in Miami.
1: Yeah, you know, as we've been talking the last couple of days with Derek Carr, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. You know, is he going to end up being the first domino to fall or will it be Aaron Rodgers? It felt for a long time like it would be Rodgers. That's usually the way these things work. And then, you know, Carr would kind of settle in after that and we'd start to see how the the quarterback pieces shake out from there. Uh, But with Carr coming down to Indianapolis, which I think Ian Rappaport said on NFL Network, he doesn't know why more free agents don't do this. Uh, you know, part of that's probably because Carr is set free right now, and a lot of these other guys are still waiting to find out. They're still negotiating with their current teams. They won't actually be out on the market until March 15th. But I think Carr coming down here, meeting with general managers and coaches in person, the ones that, that he could, Um, it just feels like, you know, maybe it's just because of the, the, the press reports and everything, but it feels like maybe he sped up the process a little bit. Maybe he created – A little bit of sense of urgency around himself it's a good thing to do it's good marketing he's only 32 there's still time to build around him there's still time for him to go out and and do things in his career uh like you said you know look at matthew stafford when he made that jump from detroit uh tom brady was even older when he went down to tampa bay we've seen recent examples of guys that have come into a new place got that fresh start uh and really took off and ran with it so I'm starting to wonder now if maybe Carr is actually going to be the guy that, you know, sets this whole wheels in motion. Some other news and notes.
0: The Panthers, who we talked about recently meeting with Derek Carr in Indianapolis, apparently have reached out to the Packers about Aaron Rodgers. That was courtesy of Adam Schefter. As we said, George, the Panthers are going to turn over every stone. They're going to talk to Carr. They're going to call about Rodgers. They're going to look into trading up for a quarterback in the draft. They're going to evaluate every possible option and figure out what they want to do from there. Interesting words from Lions general manager Brad Holmes when Jamison Williams was brought up. Well, Jamison obviously has to hold his part and make sure he's doing everything he needs to do. So it's always accountability on both sides. That doesn't sound good. That sounds like a general manager who is a little bit nervous about his potential star-wide receiver. And when you hear anybody mention accountability in that way, you have to figure that Williams is already getting a reputation in Detroit. So we'll see what happens in the offseason, but that didn't sound great. According to Jordan Schultz, Baker Mayfield impressed a lot of people during his time with the Rams, and it's possible he'll have another opportunity to start. According to U Stadium, the Saints and Bucks are possibilities, especially if the Saints miss out on Derek Carr. Joe Shane, the general manager of the Giants, spoke on Good Morning Football, said he met with Daniel Jones' agent each day this week, hoping to get a deal done by Tuesday's tag deadline, but did say he wished the two sides were closer to a deal. He's working hard and hopes he'll get one done. That, to me, says what we've known all along, George. They're going to try and get a long-term contract signed with Daniel Jones, but if they can't, they are going to franchise tag him, which is absolutely the right move. Rashad Bateman, getting himself into hot water in Baltimore, responding angrily to a comment by Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta. Here was DaCosta's quote. If I had an answer, that would probably mean I would have some better receivers. We're going to keep swinging. He was asked about his problems drafting wide receivers. Rashad Bateman, not happy about that. He quote tweeted that and said, how about you play to your players' strengths? And stop pointing the finger at us and number eight. Number eight, of course, Lamar Jackson. Blame the one you let do this. We take the heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happens. No promises. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. Bateman later deleted the tweet and said, my apologies. I understand his frustration. I'm sure he didn't like the answer that Eric DaCosta gave. But A, you have to be careful to read everything in full context. And B... Even if that annoyed you, do not go on social media and say that publicly. Go behind closed doors. Even make a phone call to the general manager or make a phone call to your agent who can then call the general manager. But do not go on Twitter and do that. Never going to go well for you. And that's why eventually Bateman did delete the tweet. The Buccaneers expected to release tight end Cam Brait. Speaking of tight ends, the Jaguars expected to franchise tag tight end Evan Engram. He'll make $11.3 million if he plays on the tag. Engram was a guy that always flashed with the Giants but just couldn't stay healthy enough to make big plays regularly. He went to the Jaguars on a one-year prove-it deal last year, and he proved it. He had a fantastic year for the Jaguars. One of the best weapons in that offense. Gelled well with Trevor Lawrence, and clearly they would like to see him back in a Jaguars uniform next year. Leo Collins may get cut. Collins is turning 30 just before training camp. And the Bengals would save $6.1 million against the cap with $3.3 million in dead money. If they marked it as a post June 1st designation, it would save them $7.7 million and cost them just $1.7 million in dead money. Collins, a good offensive lineman, but he's had injury problems. And of course, he is getting older as well. Jerome Boger, the longtime NFL referee, is going to retire after 19 years in the league. And finally, cornerback Shaq Griffin is apparently going to be released unless the Jaguars can find a trade partner release would save the Jaguars 13.1 million dollars in cap space he's 27 years old former pro bowler I'm sure he'll have interest but 13.1 million dollars seems like quite a bit so George your thoughts on all of those news and notes some interesting tidbits coming out today
1: yeah, I mean, my first thought is I'm glad that there was no social media when I was in college, when I was you know, 22, 23, 24, um, because it's it's tough, you know. But the thing is, these guys grew up with it. Early on, 10 years ago, maybe, uh, you could understand somebody making a mistake like Bateman did uh, because you didn't – it was new, you know. It was new to everybody. You probably didn't grow up doing it. This generation now – they've had social media probably pretty much since they've communicated or pretty close to it. Um, So I don't know. I think probably it's no longer an excuse anymore to be like, this is new to me. I didn't know what I was doing, Uh, but I'm still glad that it was not something I had to deal with. Who knows what would have been out there uh, when I was that age. And then this time of year is so interesting to me. We're 10 days away from the legal tampering period starting. Uh, We're obviously the combines going on. We're looking at the new kids that are going to come in uh, be rookies in this year's draft, but you also have all these cuts going on. This is the time of year you get your roster in shape, get that cap in shape, get as much room under it as you can to go sign people, and you just know some of these guys are going to be signed starting March 15th. Next year, the year after, they're going to be on the other end of this. They're going to be those guys getting cut for, for cap purposes. It's just, it's just a reminder of the vicious cycle of this league and and just you know how quickly uh, you can go from – one in the spectrum to the other the nfl is completely
0: different than the other leagues that way george because the money's guaranteed in the nba the money is guaranteed in mlb and so you don't hear about guys being cab casualties or teams getting rid of them a year or two after giving them huge contracts it just doesn't work that way like you said it really is a vicious cycle today's big free agency victory is tomorrow's drag on the cap. We've seen it over and over again. So it's going to be fascinating to see who gets released, who gets signed, and then which of these guys that get signed this free agency cycle are gone in a year or two because typically that's what ends up happening. That's why a lot of these teams will tell you you got to build through the draft because you want to avoid having to acquire players that way since generally that's the route it goes in the end. George Bremer, our friend who covers the Indianapolis Colts, for the Herald Bulletin and CNHI Sports in Anderson, Indiana. And he is, of course, our man on the scene this week at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indy. Thanks so much for coming on and recapping day number three with me. Really appreciate it. We will recap day number four tomorrow. In the meantime, though, go ahead and tell everybody how they can follow you on social media and check out your work.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, huge day tomorrow with the quarterbacks coming into the media room to talk uh, and the DBs getting out on the field. Should be a lot of news again tomorrow. Seems like we been that way all week. Uh, you can follow me at GM Bremer on Twitter. I'll be on top of the quarterbacks for sure with Colts and the situation they are. Uh, you can check out our podcast, The Blue Horseshoe Pod on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, all my work is online at theharoldbolton.com.
0: Make sure to check out everything that George is doing at the Herald Bulletin and on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Follow him on Twitter as well. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some awesome All-22 breakdowns up there, including one of Derek Carr and one of Aaron Rodgers. So go ahead and watch those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, teepublic.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies—it's all there. TeePublic.com—that's T-E-E Public.com—and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLegAJet.com.